When a person disappears, there's an instant race against the clock. And every moment that goes by without a lead is a moment lost to chance. Therefore, accurate information in the early stages of a disappearance is critical for conducting searches and for a thorough investigation. Without it, the chances of finding a missing person alive quickly fades, leaving only scores of unanswered questions behind. In the following case, a two-year-old boy named Dior Coons vanished on a camping trip with his parents in 2015. And since his disappearance, the strange behavior and shifting stories of his parents has permanently cast a shadow of doubt on the circumstances of his case. Do Dior's parents know more than they are willing to say? Are there clues that were overlooked in the early stages of the case that could possibly answer what happened to baby Dior? This is the re-recorded episode covering the disappearance of Dior Coons Jr. A Mystery in the Mountains. So many questions remain about the mysterious disappearance of Dior Coons Jr. Was the toddler ever at Timber Creek Campground? Do his parents really know more about what happened to him? We're looking for you, son, and we will find you. And we love you more than anything in the world. We'll Daddy will find you. looking until we get you home. On July 10, 2015, two-year-old Dior Coons Jr. vanished while on a camping trip at the remote Timber Creek campground located near the small town of Lidore, Idaho. There were four adults on that trip and at the campground that day. Dior's parents, Vernal Coons and Jessica Mitchell, Bob Walton, who was Jessica's grandfather and great-grandfather to baby Dior, and Bob Walton's friend, Isaac Reinmond. In separate interviews conducted with all four adults in the wake of baby Dior's disappearance, they all agreed that they had arrived at the Timber Creek Campground in the evening on July 9th. After setting up camp, they spent the night. The following morning, sometime after they had breakfast, Vernal and Jessica admitted to leaving the campground with baby Dior to go to a nearby convenience store, getting gas and food, and then returning. After they returned, Jessica and Vernal say that they left baby Dior with his great-grandfather, Bob. They then hiked a short distance away with Isaac Reinwand to explore a nearby spot for fishing. Approximately ten minutes later, Vernal says he returned to the campsite, as he would say in a later interview, to show baby Dior minnows in the nearby creek. However, when Vernal got back to the campsite, Baby Dior was gone. Vernal says he asked Bob where Dior was, and Bob had a surprised look on his face and responded, I thought he went down to you. Meaning, Bob had allowed Baby Dior to walk away from him and the campsite in the direction Jessica and Vernal had gone when they left with Isaac. Vernal next says he ran back to Jessica, who had already started fishing, 
and told her their son was missing. They both say that they searched the area and called out for Dior for approximately 20 to 30 minutes before making the decision to call 911 for help. What's the address of your emergency? Um, I'm actually camping in Ledor. Just outside of Ledor. Uh-huh. Um, my two-year-old son, um, we can't find him. How long has he been missing? About an hour. An hour? Yeah. Now you just heard Jessica say to the dispatcher that her son has been missing for an hour. And it's important to remember this because she will contradict it in a later interview. Jessica? Yeah. Okay. What is he wearing? He was wearing cowboy boots, a blue um, pair, like pajama pants, and a camel jacket. At this point in the call, the dispatcher is going to ask Jessica for a general description of her son. Now it's unclear what happens in this exchange. Either the cell phone reception is really bad, or Jessica is distracted by something or someone near where she is making this call. How tall is he? Hello? Yes, I... I'm not exactly sure how to Now it is possible that those pauses that we hear are due to bad reception, as later in the call Jessica seems to come back mid-sentence. We can also hear Vernal speaking with another dispatcher in the background. Vernal will explain later that he drove out of the campground looking for better signal to call 911. So now both Jessica and Vernal are speaking to two dispatchers at the same time. Over the next several weeks, law enforcement officers, search and rescue teams, and nearly 200 volunteers conducted extensive searches of the Timber Creek campground, focusing on a nearby creek and reservoir, but not a single trace of baby Dior was found. It was then that law enforcement began to explore every possible scenario for a clue that could explain what happened to this small child. The working theory during the initial searches was that baby Dior had wandered away from the campsite and had either got lost or was attacked and injured by a wild animal and then dragged away. Searchers explored a nearby cave and wolf den for Dior, but no evidence to support this theory, such as blood trails or strands of shredded clothing, were found, making this an unlikely possibility as to the cause of Dior's sudden disappearance. Another possibility law enforcement considered was an abduction. That an unknown person may have seen Vernal and Jessica with Dior when they drove into Lador that morning, and then stalked them at a distance back to their campsite, then took an opportunity to pounce when Dior had wandered off alone.
This also seemed unlikely. Due to there was only one road in and out of the campground leading to their campsite. And any one of the four adults could have easily heard or seen an approaching vehicle. Also, Jessica and Verna will say in a later interview that they did not walk more than 50 yards from the campsite when they left Dior with Bob and went with Isaac. Verna will also say in that same interview that he returned just 10 minutes later. And if that information is accurate, it leaves a very small window of opportunity for an abduction to occur. With the first two working theories eliminated, only one other possibility was left to be explored. And that was that one or more of the adults at the campsite that day was lying, or knew more about the circumstances of Baby Dior's disappearance than they had originally told investigators. Which brings us to an interview Vernal and Jessica gave to Idaho News, just a few days after their son's disappearance. In this interview, you will hear Vernal do a majority of the talking. He speaks fast, and at times, he almost sounds manic. He has difficulty putting his words together. Now that's somewhat understandable given the circumstances. But he also interrupts and talks over Jessica when she has an opportunity to talk. That may not mean anything, but it does seem apparent to me, as you will hear, that Vernal wants to be the one to do all of the talking. Friday at about 2, 2.26 is when I, was it 2.26? It was 2.36 when I called. Two, it was 2.36 is when she called and I was in the truck hauling down to the road trying to get service because I didn't think one bar would get it. So she got very, very lucky. I was blessed that she was able to get service because I didn't, th- I didn't want to try and risk getting halfway through my talking to the 911 and have it cut off. So I went down to where I knew I could get a little service about a half mile down the road. Uh, we searched for, after about 20 minutes and in a dead panic, not knowing where he was in such a small area and not knowing never being there, I knew I was in trouble. Uh, so we decided to call search and rescue, uh, and that's when I drove down. She tried getting a signal out. Um, as soon as I got a hold of them, I come. To, they told me that she was on the other line with them, and they had our location, and they were on our way. So he was just kind of playing. You guys were doing your thing, and then he, he noticed. Oh, he was playing. With, he was, yeah, he was. With he was my playing with Grandpa. He was over. He's getting ready for a nap. I say it was almost. By that time, it was almost two, and he usually takes his nap. Um, we. We, we were just, yeah, we decided we were going to go a little exploring. He was going to be good with Grandpa by the campfire. We weren't more than probably 50, 50 yards away in 10 minutes. Uh, well, but the time we, I seen him to the point I figured out he was gone. And I come back up in the creek, and I actually seen there were some things down by the a little minnows that I thought he would just love. So when I come back up to get him, and I yelled over to Grandpa, uh, where is, you know, where's little Dior? He immediately shocked he says i thought he came up to you because it's such a small area that's what a lot of people they don't understand is they just assume how could you let your kid out of your sight this area is pretty well blocked in and you can see you could there's no way you couldn't not see him in what we thought and in just in a split second your whole world is upside down and vanished 
he's pretty small for his age, but he, he moves pretty good. And that was our concern. He, he uh, was right with us. I've, where it's at is, I mean, I thought it would be perfect to go camping there because it's enclosed by walls of mountains and there's not much space around there that he could go. And our biggest concern was the, the creek, which was knee, knee deep, few feet wide, but he's a little guy. Um, they finally, yesterday, we were able to put that to rest and Lima High County Sheriff, um, Sheriff Dave and the rest of the sheriffs have put out that there is, they assured me there is 100% chance that he is not anywhere in that water, around that water. They have torn that creek upside down and in and out. Divers uh, have gone through wetsuits along with the helicopter. That was the world's most advanced search and rescue helicopter uh, volunteered out of Montana. And those guys were just amazing. The accuracy they had with the night vision ability it has and the uh, heat range it can see. They were, the one guy, I can't remember his name. Um, I've met so many people, so many good people, but um, he was, he did his, his own safety, he was, he was more or less, he was strapped in and he was on the side of that helicopter looking. And I, he was looking down, I remember them telling me that they um, asked the search rescue to go look over because there was an orange insect repellent can, they think, by the bank, and they were dead on, that's what it was. That's how accurate these guys are. They thought it was, it might have been like a part of a shoe they, or, something, or something, but they said go check that out. That, these guys search miles, so the mile radius they have is, it is a very rocky terrain, it is very open, but it's not, the helicopter that used is, is used to back very deep Montana. It, it is designed for a lot worse situations than this, and there was not a trace of my son found. There still isn't, but there's, the search is on. That's The hearsay of things has kind of gotten way out of hand. The search is so far is, has been put on that has been suspended, and that is not entirely sure or true. Sheriff Dave of Lima High County, I just spoke with him on the phone this morning. He has got uh, horseback riders and trackers up there right now uh, and very, very advanced professionals. Um, I'll, be, I'll be going up, um, with, and I've just come down to get any resource I can get to go back right up, back up today. Um, what questions do you guys have? In the first part of this interview, we already hear an inconsistency in Jessica and Vernal's timeline. They are now saying they searched for 20 minutes before calling 911 and had only been away from their campsite for 10 minutes. But in the 911 call, Jessica said baby Dior had been missing for an hour, leaving 30 minutes they are not accounting for. Vernal also said that Dior was ready for a nap, which is actually confusing if he had returned to the campsite just 10 minutes later to show Dior minnows in the creek. I think we can all agree that 10 minutes isn't sufficient nap time for a toddler. And yet at the same time, Vernal and Jessica say, they left their son to play with Bob. There are important details to consider when we talk about Bob Walton and his ability to supervise and play with his great-grandson. At the time of Dior's disappearance, Bob Walton was battling cancer, and he was dependent on an oxygen tank to breathe. And Jessica 
was actually Bob's caregiver at that time. Which raises the question, why leave your two-year-old son alone with an elderly man on an oxygen tank who can't take care of himself without assistance just to walk 50 yards away? On August 11th, nearly one month after baby Dior's disappearance, a private investigator named Frank Vilt joined in the effort to help locate baby Dior. In an interview with East Idaho News after joining the case, he detailed his experience and gave a behind-the-scenes look into the searches for baby Dior. Give us a little bit of your law enforcement background. Well, I spent uh, 10 years with L.A. County Sheriff's Department and 19 and a half years with the United States Marshal Service. In the past uh, five years with the U.S. Marshal Service, I uh, hunted fugitives. So I was a criminal investigator. So you've had extensive years of, of law enforcement. Yes. And, and, and then, have you handled missing persons cases. And after retiring, I specialized in, uh, as a private investigator, is uh, locating abducted or missing children, mostly involving uh, parents' custody where one parent takes the child and out of state and so forth. So cases like this are not unfamiliar to you? No. Give us your thoughts, uh, I guess, from the beginning of this case, when you started hearing about it and following it. Uh, did any alarm bells go off in your head? The fact that it's a remote campground and the fact that Dior Jr. had cowboy boots on that was too big for him. So he would walk out of them if he tried to run, particularly on rough terrain. And so what alarmed me was is that uh, when the search began, the search didn't take that long to begin once he was reported missing. Several people showed up for the initial search. And uh, there was no cowboy boots found. There was no clothing found. And uh, that alarmed me that uh, with the number of people searching and he couldn't find anything, they couldn't find anything that would say that he was there. The search dogs, uh, cadaver dogs, as well as the search dogs, couldn't find anything. They couldn't uh, be on scent and find anything. Uh, there was some wolf dens that were searched, uh, bear den was searched. And nothing was found. So this tells me that uh, he probably was not called off by an animal. And he couldn't have gone that far, uh, being two years old in that type of terrain. Uh, if he wandered off, he probably would have been found. So that's an army. Well, that sounds kind of fishy to me. I always like to think outside the box. And so that's why even uh, Sheriff Bowerman said that he uh, probably was not abducted, uh, but maybe a possibility. And so the... The Sheriff's Department and uh, Lamai County, as well as Bonneville County, had to do their job. They initially they suspect the parents, and I knew, knowing Dior personally from my association with before in Montpelier, that uh, I could never imagine him doing anything like that because he loved his son. That was his son. That was his blood. That was his heart. That was his life. That uh, the parents would not be involved in anything sinister. So you start looking at the other people involved who was at the campground. Look at the grandfather. The grandfather uh, was in ill health on oxygen. The other gentleman, who Isaac, who was there, uh, he was a person of interest. So I think outside the box. So I think there has to be another possibility. And I'd rather think that I feel that he was abducted. Everything points to an abduction. Why wasn't an Amber Alert issued? 
didn't fit the entire uh, criteria for an Amber Alert. There was no vehicle they could give. There's no mother, father, or suspect that they could name as being with. So this is why it didn't fit the criteria. And don't get me wrong, the Sheriff's Office in Lemhigh County did their very best. The search coordinator uh, was a good man. He had prior law enforcement experience in Nevada before he coming up to Lemhigh County. <clears throat> Excuse me. So these guys are, are seasoned veterans. And they want to find the boy. The whole end result was to find the boy. And so they're not going to do anything to be counterproductive. But I just think that there has to be now, there's been yesterday, a month from the time he was missing, there has to be another scenario that we have to look at other possibilities. Frank touched on the fact that there was no trace of baby Dior found after the extensive campground searches. That had many in law enforcement questioning if Baby Dior was ever at the campground. There was also a suggestion that Baby Dior may not have returned from the trip Vernal and Jessica took into Lador that same morning. Frank also mentions here that he knew Vernal, who he calls by his middle name Dior, and that he did not believe Vernal would ever hurt his son. This is an important detail to consider and to remember. Because on September 5th, Frank abruptly quit this case. And in doing so, he wrote a scathing letter to both Vernal and Jessica, in which he accused them of dishonesty and deception. Shortly afterwards, that letter went public. This is a reading of Frank's letter. Dear Dior and Jessica, As I previously informed you today via my text to your cellular telephone, I am withdrawing from the investigation because of circumstances beyond my control, including, but not limited to, a breach of trust on your part concerning your refusal to allow me to make this case national. I am perplexed as to why you did not want me to advertise the $20,000 reward. I was willing to put this up with personal funds in the hopes that the public could provide information leading to the whereabouts of your son. When I agreed to assist you, I informed you that I would work for my out-of-pocket expenses. I was willing to forgo my normal hourly fee. My stipulation was that both of you would be absolutely truthful. I told both of you that if I felt that you were not telling the truth, were stalling me, or otherwise misleading me, that I would withdraw from the investigation. And in my professional opinion, both of you lied and misrepresented the true facts that could solve the mystery of your missing son. There are other aspects of this case that I cannot go into at this time, but simply put, I believe that the searches will all be non-productive. The searches are only used by you to cover a possible crime that one or both of you may have committed. My suggestion is that you fully cooperate with the Lehigh County Sheriff and tell the truth. I do not appreciate the fact that one or both of you are spreading rumors 
that you have paid me. I have not received reimbursement to cover my expenses. I also feel that you are exploiting the public for financial gain. How can you live with yourselves? Sooner or later, the truth will come out. After Frank's letter went public, the sheriff of Lehigh County, Lynn Bowerman, gave an interview that added more doubt to Vernal and Jessica's version of events from the day their son disappeared. The sheriff disclosed new details from the investigation, and he even provided the results of key questions that were asked during their polygraphs. And they could not pass a section on, do you know where Dior Coons is at this time, and do you know what happened to him? They could not pass those two parts of the polygraph. We've given them too many opportunities to tell us what happened if it was an accident, and there's been no interest in going that direction. That t- so that tells me there's only one other uh, possibility. It's, it has to be a homicide. The sheriff would later publicly name both Vernal and Jessica suspects in their son's disappearance. A new private investigator named Philip Klein was hired by Vernal and Jessica to continue searching for their son. Klein and his team started their investigation by conducting separate individual interviews with Vernal, Jessica, Bob, and Jessica's mom, Trina. By then, Isaac had retained an attorney, so he did not speak with Klein or his team. Isaac would later give several interviews with local news reporters, and even with some people interested in the case, which I will play later. Keep in mind, at the time of these interviews, six months had passed since baby Dior had disappeared. And in that short period of time, Jessica had left Vernal and gotten married, and Vernal had moved away from Idaho. And if those details aren't strange enough, the answers given in the following Klein interviews are so inconsistent that it's nearly impossible to follow or understand exactly what happened on the day that baby Dior went missing. In the first of the Klein interviews with Bob, he has a difficult time explaining his friendship with Isaac and why Isaac was invited on the camping trip in the first place. Why did you invite Isaac up to this particular camping trip? Oh, I don't really know why. Do you trust Isaac? Uh, look for what? For, would, would you trust him to spend the night in your house? No. Would you trust him to watch your grandson? No. Do you trust him to not steal your money? No. Why are you friends with him? If you don't trust him, why would you... Well, you know what? That's a hell of a question. <laughs> Bob is next asked if he is surprised that Isaac retained a lawyer, which inexplicably he shifts and actually suggests he might need a lawyer too. Are you surprised he got a lawyer? Uh, I don't know whether to be surprised or not. 
Well, it was something wrong. Maybe he thought he was going to get nailed or something. I don't know. I really don't. Be surprised. I might have one time I'm done here. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Huh? What What do you mean by that? Just what I said. Say it again so I understand. I said I might have one before I'm done here. One done what? Before I'm done here talking to you guys. Oh, okay. But I'm not counting on I mean, I'm not... I better shut up before I get in trouble here. At the conclusion of this interview, Klein presses Bob to not hold on to any information that could assist in finding baby Dior and not to take any such details to his grave, which seems to anger Bob. Eye for an eye? Sometimes. Not all the time. That's why, I, that's why I just said less than 11 minutes ago that you, you have some pent-up anger in you, and I can see it. I can see it like I'm reading a book. I'm sitting here looking, you laugh about it, but I can see it. And this is bothering you, and you're angry about it? Sure, it's bothering me. But you can't go shooting somebody because it's bothering you. I'm not talking about shooting somebody. I'm talking about you and, and your feelings and your anger. You're in a bad place right now with your health. I get it. Yeah, I, I am in a bad place. I, I get it. I understand. I've got about three years to live, maybe two. No, I understand. Yeah. And God bless you. Hell yeah. But you're going to die anyway when you get so old. you got to realize... Yeah, but you don't want to carry this situation to your grave. Hey, listen, I could get run into and killed as soon as I live here. It doesn't make and any that difference. doesn't change. That doesn't change. You want to carry this to your grave. You don't want this to go to your grave. Oh, and you, no. And you know you don't want this to go to your grave. In the interviews Klein conducted with Trina, two clips stood out to me. In the first clip, she is informed of strange statements her dad, Bob, had given to Klein's team during his interview that had bothered them. His grandson's missing. His great-grandson's missing. Did you and Isaac talk about the baby's disappearance? No. You didn't? No. What's done is done. What's done is done? That's your grandson. Yeah, and he's he's been like that. I mean, he, he says things like that. I mean, we got home, and, you know, within like two or three days, he's like, so are we going to have a funeral? And yes, you heard that right. Trina says that Bob asked, just three days after baby Dior went missing, if they were going to have a funeral. This should have been a red flag to everyone, even those only paying a little attention that Bob possibly knew that this child was dead. And not only did Bob not say a word to Isaac the entire ride back home from the campground, the reason he gave to Klein's team for it was what's done is done. Next, Trina is asked what she believed was the reason that Jessica gave up custody of her children from a prior marriage to her ex-husband. Just prior to baby Dior's disappearance. Jessica, she was trying to do, do one of two things. Was she just tired of kids, or was she was she trying to do the ultimate protection? <clears throat> my opinion. Or a 50-50. My opinion was is that Jess wanted to 
to be kind of free to run with the oar. That answer. To be free. To be with her boyfriend. Gives me flashbacks of Casey Anthony. Jessica is the next person to be interviewed by Klein's team. Her interviews are much more telling when you watch them. She looks uncomfortable with certain questions and at times shifts in her chair or scratches at her neck. Particularly when she has asked direct questions about any knowledge or involvement she may have had in the disappearance of her son. In this interview, Jessica admits to Klein both her and Vernal failed their polygraphs, and she attempts to explain why she may have failed hers. Did you take their polygraph test? Yeah. Okay. And the results were? Well, the guy that gave me the test said that I passed um, as a grieving mother. Okay. So there was only one question that even hinted anything. Yeah. Like any emotional response or anything like that. And it was, um, did you know where, because I call him Little Man. Uh-huh. That's my nickname for him. And he said, did you know where Little Man was when you called 911? And I said, no. And then I had a response after I answered the question. Mm-hmm. And after he did the test, he asked me, he said, well, this is where you had, you know, a fluctuation of your um, your readings and things like that. And what were you thinking when I asked you that question and when you answered? And I said, a flood of all those emotions that I had when I was on the phone with that one came back to me. Mm-hmm. He said, well, that's a normal response for a grieving mother. Yep. Okay. But then when I talked to the... Um, the investigator in Idaho Falls right. in Bonneville County, he said that I didn't pass. Huh. Okay. Which was very confusing to me because I was like, well, that guy said that I had passed, but now... And what did he say? He said that I didn't pass. Huh. Okay, so what so about I, what about your... Asked, did you, did he asked you, me if I wanted to do another one or if I would be willing to do another one, and I said I would be willing to do as many as you needed me to do. I don't have anything to hide. I don't have, like, you know, and I said, I'm very confused of why, you know, he said that I passed, but then you said that I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, so. What did he say to that? He just said, you know, sometimes um, that's why they're admissible in court is because um, one person can administer it and say that I passed, and then one person, you know, another person can look at it and say no they had a reaction to this question or something. It can be interpreted differently, I guess, by different people looking at the results. Hmm. Uh, did your uh, polygraph test? Yes. He passed? No. He, he did not either. Okay, what about your What about your uh, grandfather? Did he take one? Yes. Did he pass? They will not tell us that. Okay, so he won't tell you. As, as far as... Isaac and my grandfather, though, they won't tell us anything like that. Okay. Here, Jessica is asked why she left her son with her grandfather, Bob, giving an answer that makes little sense and needs to be followed up on. Why would you and your husband leave that little boy up there with a dad that's not awesome? Just because 
you've done it before? Because he was tired and I knew that he wanted to hang out with Grandpa. In order to keep track of the inconsistencies, I put a comparison here of what Jessica told the 911 dispatcher on the day her son disappeared versus what she is now telling Klein's team, still leaving 30 minutes not accounted for. How long has he been missing? About an hour. Yeah. So for 28 minutes, you guys search? Yeah. Now, if you consider the information she gave to the dispatcher on the very day her son vanished is more accurate as it is more fresh in her mind for recall, the later details are less truthful and leave that large hole in their timeline. Another strange inconsistency is found when comparing Jessica and Bob's stories from July 10th. Here, Bob is asked about Jessica telling investigators that Bob told her he last saw baby Dior playing in the dirt near a tree right before he disappeared. Did you ever tell Jess that you saw him down by the creek sitting next to a tree? No. You never told you never told her that? No. Messing with the dirt or with his boot? Never told her that? Okay. Bob and Jessica can't even agree on how the decision was made to call 911. Did you tell your grandpa you're going to call 911? Yeah. What did he say? He said, well, yeah, you have to. Did Jessica or um, Dior Sr. Ever, ever ask your opinion on calling 911? Did they ever say, you know, do you think we should call? Was it a discussion or was it just like an no, automatic? They called. Say that one more time. They called. They called. So it was just automatic for them. Y'all didn't have a discussion about, you no. know, should we call right I mean, now? Should we look a little bit made. more? I found out that they called after they'd done it. In this interview with Vernal, he mentions a bizarre exchange and confrontation he had with Isaac shortly after his son went missing. He seems to imply that Isaac was hiding something or acting nervous. When you came walking up to camp, did you see my son? Did you cross paths? The response I got pissed me off. Because he said, and I quote, uh, 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 I don't know. I looked at him. I said, when is the last time you've seen my son? And again, I got, uh, uh, I don't know. And I said, you better start fucking knowing something real fast. Here, Vernal is confronted about his polygraph by one of Klein's investigators, who accuses him of lying about the results. Why did you lie to me about your polygraph test? Because that's what I was told. Check, there's an interview. That's His exact words were... It's inconclusive, but I'd say it's an inconclusive pass. Where is the exact words to me? I never lied to anybody. Okay, because when we've been told something completely different, that they told you that you absolutely failed with deception. Welcome to Idaho, sweetheart. That's how this works, apparently. So you're saying you're that... guilty until proven innocent with everybody. Another confrontation between Vernal and Klein's team occurred when it was learned that Jessica had changed part of her story, providing new details about the day baby Dior disappeared. Can you explain to me, and the reason I know this is because Jessica called me herself after she got out of her polygraph. Actually, I called her to check on her because Trina had texted me and said to. And I asked her how everything went, and you know what she told me? 
And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to know why Jessica threw you under the bus and Jessica said that you were with Dior with, uh, at your truck for 20 minutes while she was down in the creek fishing after you got back from the stage shop. I asked See, her. That is, complete, that is wrong. That's wrong, for one. I can tell you that. That's wrong, but for two. And I asked her the same thing. Not meanly, not coaching, nothing. I just said, what the price was that all about? And she said, and I quote, I was under a lot of pressure, and I was... Don't know what the hell else to do. I didn't know what else to do. But I did. But, did but see that? But that right there, that right there, confuses me because I didn't pressure her. We were just having a conversation. I just asked if she was okay. I asked what happened because I wasn't even privy to any of that information at that point in time. And she told me the reason she never told me that before was because she's scared of you. So is she lying? Did she just lie to me and tell me that you were with your son for 20 minutes while she was down in the creek fishing and that you could have done something? That's what I went down to this creek. Well, that's been that's my story from the get-go, but now all of a sudden she's changed it. So you got to understand yeah. where we're coming from now. Yeah, I know. I understand. It's my word against, or it's her word against mine, but here's the problem. Since she comes back to everybody else in both families to everybody else except for law officials and says that was wrong. Well, what the fuck am I supposed to do, Jessica? Look what you did. But now you've got more time wasted with officials because you felt like you had it your cornered and had no other way out. That doesn't do our son any good. Mm-hmm. Two details immediately stick out to me in this clip. The first is notice how quiet the normally talkative Vernal is when he hears Jessica changed her story. The second is that with Jessica's new version of events, in particular, Vernal being at his truck with baby Dior for 20 minutes while she was fishing, almost covers the 30 minutes that up to now had not been accounted for. Vernal would later call that same client investigator, now armed with a story about Jessica's behavior after they were told about a lead in their son's case. The timing is suspicious, especially since this wasn't important to mention until after he learned Jessica had changed her story. But it kind of bothered me yesterday when I told when I said Jessica was with me yesterday. Uh-huh. I mentioned to her, and I she was in the truck, and I was waiting to get washed out. They have that she goes. What did, did Caroline say about the witness? And I said I think this is viable. It might actually give us some information. She, I said it's kind of got me excited that we might be able to move forward on this. She got really worried, and why? And I asked her why, and she says I just worry that. And she paused. She with a long pause, and then she responded with, "Well, I just worry that maybe they're going to be able to give us tell us the, that. Hopefully, they won't tell us the worst." And my thought was, would you rather know what's going on, whether it be the worst or not, so that we can then mourn? And not being limbo like we are now? Well, and just have closure one way or another. I mean, that's my exact words. I would rather have closure to know where my son is or what happened and all that shit than not know. And that's worrying her. And that kind of bothered me. Well, why? I, let, I let, let her alone. And I didn't say anything, but I wanted to, talk, I wanted to tell you and Philip that. Yeah, well, why does, um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Why he 
fact worried. I mean, that's what, what I don't. That's what mind boggles. That's what I don't understand. Why? Why get worried? And my first, and I wanted to just look at her and go, "You fucking know something. You need to say something right now. Because if you know something where my fucking kid is, you need to tell me right now." Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to get pissed off. I didn't want to get her out riled up because I wouldn't get anywhere and she may close up. Well, do but my thought was, why in the fuck would she get worried? Because my response, I understand everybody's responses aren't the same, but mine was, I got excited. I might be able to have closure to my son. I might be able to get right. him back. I might. So many possibilities. Mm-hmm. This moves us forward. First, which, and she, her exact words is, is it a liable, is it a re, uh, reliable uh, person sure. that can give reliable information? And I said, I believe so. And then she got worried. And I went, just a look on her face, and I went, what the fuck? Well, so, I mean, do you, does your gut tell you she knows something? When we interviewed you and we talked to you about this, you know. I fight my gut when it comes to shit like that right now, but right? something there was something there. That's why I, I'm saying something to you. Okay. Hmm. All right. And she has never said it, anything? It really worried me. Well, she's never given me any indication she knows any more any any of that shit. She's never given me an indication. That was the first time she's ever looked, she ever had worry in her eye like that. On March 1st of 2016, Klein quit this case. And in doing so, he gave the following interview where he explained just how bad the inconsistent stories were that Vernal and Jessica gave to his team and to law enforcement. We, uh, law enforcement and the FBI, has interviewed Vernal Koontz, the father of Dior, uh, nine times. Uh, he's been given nine interviews. Uh, none of the stories he has uh, told has matched or has even been verified. Um, and that is very disturbing for us as investigators. Uh, he's given us a story. He's given us a timeline. When we go out and we try to prove up or, or actually just basically prove up simple things in the timeline, uh, it falls apart and it falls apart quickly. Can you uh, give us some examples of those inconsistencies? Sure. Uh, I can. If, uh, let, me, uh, let me go through this and I'll, and I'll do that for you. We can't even match simple things like uh, filling up with gas uh, at a uh, at a local uh, uh, store, a diesel store, uh, up in Ladour on the day of the uh, on the day of the event, uh, where uh, he clearly says that uh, the the gentleman who was pumping the gas actually uh, saw the child. Well, we interviewed the guy that was supposedly had seen the child, and he clearly comes back and says, you know, I, I don't remember seeing a child. Could have been there, but no. Simple things like a dog in the back of the pickup truck or in the back seat. There was no dog. I mean, these little things that that investigators look at as simple things, uh, Vernal has not been able to uh, verify or uh, not verify with us. She's given five interviews to law enforcement, but none of the stories she's told us has matched. Uh, In fact, she changes her story uh, depending upon what day it is and, and what day we talk to her. Um, and so that's very, very disturbing to us. We can't even verify basic information that Vernal tells us, and then she tells us at the same time she's supposed to be there, and neither of their stories match. And it's not even close, as a matter of fact. So that bothers us tremendously. Uh, eyewitnesses that we've talked to that they have listed, from guys who distribute the beer to the clerk at the store to the person that pumped the gas to the basic timeline information, they tell Vernal uh, uh, and Jessica tell us one story, but then the witnesses say, no, that never happened. Uh, here's what did happen. And no, we never saw a child. So we take all of that and we come back to them with, okay, tell us what, what really happened here because 
all these witnesses you have given us, they don't match. And so they tell us the story. And again, we say, okay, we just go into shock trauma, that you're very shocked, you're traumatized. We go out and we go out again. And we try to re-verify with different witnesses this time. In some cases, some of them are going, we don't even know who these people are. What are you talking about? And not only that, but it comes down to simple things like, oh, they played with uh, Dior at the, at the store. Well, we talked to the witnesses before and after who purchased items. They didn't even see a child. They didn't play with a child. It brings concern to us and brings us to the question of why would they lie to us? Why would they not just tell us the truth? We add that into um, Vernal going in for five polygraph tests. Five polygraph tests from different polygraph test administrators, state, local, and federal government. And the bottom line to that is Vernal not only failed all five, he failed all five in the 99th percentile. And that is hugely disturbing to us. He can't even pass a non-control question, are you going to tell us the truth today? He flunks it. And not only does he flunk it, he doesn't just spike in his polygraph test, it's like a wave. So that disturbs us tremendously. Then we move to Jessica, and we give Jessica four different tests, uh, law enforcement does. And Jessica fails not only to the 99th percentile, but she can't even pass simple control questions. And that's not because she's nervous. Uh, she's able to pass her name. She's able to pass where she is today. She's able to pass the certain questions that are no-brainer questions. But you even come close to, to what happened to Dior. Or are you going to tell the truth today? And she fails so bad. I, in, in my 26 years, I've never heard of a person failing that bad. In 2019, Isaac Reinwan began talking publicly about this case. Now Isaac is a little bit of a strange person. And as such, his answers are poorly put together. In one interview, Isaac said he had been friends with Bob Walton for years. But at the same time, he couldn't remember Bob's last name. In this interview... He seems hesitant to answer particular questions. But I will note that in all of Isaac's interviews, his version of events remain unchanged. You're the one that can say whether or not Dior, baby Dior, was even at that campground. As far as, far as I know, to my knowledge, he, he was there. He was there the whole time. The whole time that we were up there and camping with this, yes. Okay, okay. Um, so I'm sorry, let me ask that again. So you're, you're, you're the only, well, not the only one. So Isaac, you were one of four people at the campground. So the question of if baby Dior was even at that campground, you can say yes or no. So was baby Dior there at the campground? Yes, yes, he was. You were saying that to the best of your knowledge? To the best of my knowledge, he was there, and so... I was, and that's all I know. That he, he was up there with us, and so you've talked with investigators. You've talked with who? All have you talked to? Have you taken lie detector tests about all this stuff? I took a lie detector test. Uh, I'm not commenting if it was positive or negative. Um, and I've talked to the sheriff's department in Lidar County, and 
the FBI and uh, People Magazine and I think there was a few others. I don't remember those. It's been a long time, so. Does it feel like it's been four years for you? Does it, you know what I mean? Like, does it feel longer, shorter? Do you just wish this would all kind of go away? It's been kind of longer, yeah. And you know, closure, I think closure would be for the parents and everybody would be nice. But. What do you think happened to baby Dior? I have no idea. Maybe it was an accident or something. I don't know. Do you think he's still alive? I don't have a comment on that. Do you think Jessica had anything to do with his disappearance? Ooh, I'm not going to comment on that either. Why not? I just feel like I just want to stay neutral in this situation, you know? I don't want to point fingers. I don't think it's nice or it's right. Do you think Vernal Dior had anything to do with baby Dior's disappearance? I have, I have no idea. What about Mom? Bob? I don't know if he did. All I know is Dior was up there with us. We were camping. Next thing you know, I was gone. And there was four adults up, up there. And for some reason, none of us know it went down. Somebody does, but I can't point fingers at somebody when I don't have, when I don't know, you know? Do you think um, he was abducted by a person? Do you think he was kidnapped? He could have been. I don't know. There's a lots of things that could have happened. He could have been attacked by... A cheetah or a cougar, maybe a bear, but you'd think you'd hear, hear, hear something though, but he was just there and then he wasn't. So you don't have any theories, any hunches, any gut feelings about what happened to him or who's responsible? I don't. What maybe do you hope happens out of all of this eventually? Well, I'm hoping everybody gets closure. I'm hoping Dr. Coons is found, and this is just all wrapped up and put and him put to rest. Would be nice. Do you ever feel pressure, like from Trina, just now, to say that he was at the campground? No. There was no pressure. So you're being like honest. You don't feel like you should say a certain thing. Right. I'm being totally honest. I have to ask, did you do something to Dior? No. What was your interaction with him up there? I mean, what do you remember about that? <sighs> Just bits and pieces, vaguely. It's been four years ago, yeah. so. Does what, it... Yeah, what do you remember, though? What do you recall? Ooh, I, I really not wouldn't like, I do really don't want to talk about that, because if it's something I didn't exactly say four years ago, it could be turned around, and I don't want that, so no comment. Does it make you mad when I ask you, did you have something to do with Dior? Like, no. Do you, get, do, you, do you have a lot of people give you dirty looks in town? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you just tired of it all? I don't think I have really people give me dirty looks or anymore or anything. I just kind of... Even accusing you of stuff. I haven't had really anybody harass me really or anything. If they have on Facebook, I don't know. I don't read Facebook. I just scroll on the pictures and when I get done with that, I'm done. Anything else that you want to mention? Because I gave Jessica and Vernal all time to talk today, even Trina. Anything uh, you want people to know? No, I think that'll be all. I think that's good. On June 15th, 2019, Bob Walton passed away. It is said that he was questioned one last time on his deathbed about his great-grandson, but could not or would not 
provide any new details about the day baby Dior disappeared. Vernal Kuntz and his father, Dennis, filed a defamation lawsuit against Philip Klein, which was eventually dismissed. Vernal recently hired a new private investigator out of North Carolina named David Mashburn to continue the search for his son. Jessica is now Jessica Mitchell Anderson. Both she and Vernal maintain their innocence and deny any involvement in their son's disappearance. It was six years ago today that baby Dior vanished without a trace, and no new developments have emerged in his case. We may never know exactly what happened that day. All that is known for certain is that he vanished while on a trip with four strange people. Could it be that he was the victim of parental negligence or something far more sinister? Do his parents know more than they have said? Based on two private investigators' conclusions and their shifting stories and timeline, I can only speculate that they do. But if their story is the truth, then baby Dior has to be somewhere on that campground. No longer alive, but waiting to be found and properly laid to rest. And until that day comes, the events that led to his disappearance will remain a mystery in the mountains. (laughs) 